Amen. Well, good morning, New City. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Thank you so much for, for being here today, whether you're on one of our campuses or whether you're watching online. We're excited and grateful that you are here. Well, I'm Rodney. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm super excited about our time together. I'm excited about our time together because I get to share a piece of my story with you today. And I'm going to share a piece of my story today, but, but I'm going to do it in the hopes uh, because it's a relatively dark time. I'm going to share a relatively dark time in my life, and, and I'm going to share it in the hopes that, that God will use it somehow, some way, uh, to bring a little light to your life. Amen? Amen. So, so I'm going to come from uh, the subject or the thought today, value in the valley. Value in the valley. Let's pray together. God in heaven, we honor you, we bless you, we worship you in the beauty of your holiness. Thank you for being a righteous, a just, and a holy God. So we thank you for this sacred moment, God, for this moment that is designed to make us more like you. We ask, Lord, now that you would drive anything out of this atmosphere that would dare impede the flow of your spirit, your move. We present ourselves, God, as living sacrifices. Be pleased with our time together today. Whatever you got to do, God, get the glory in this place. We'll be so mindful to give your name the praise, the glory, and the honor. For truly, it belongs unto you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. God's children said amen. 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 amen and amen. Amen. Value in the valley. Value in the valley. Typically, when we think of valley, words that come to mind are dark, cold, barren, uncomfortable. The valley or those less than ideal times in life can often serve as a distraction, can often serve as a distraction to God's hand, God's move, God's work in our lives. If we're honest today, the valley is a place where we often feel lonely. We feel empty, forgotten about. We even feel abandoned sometimes. For a lot of us, the truth is that when life hits us the hardest, that's when we move the furthest away from God. When life strikes the hardest, it's when we stop coming to church, when we stop going to a community group. Listen to dictionary.com's definition of valley. It's defined as a low point or interval in any process representation or situation. Any place, period, or situation that is filled with fear, gloom, or the like. Now, collectively, we know that there are various kinds of valleys, right? We know that there are valleys that touch the body. We know that there are valleys that touch the mind and the soul and the family. Valleys that even touch the community and even the church. If it's one thing that we all share in common, it's valley experiences. We all share struggle. We all share hardship, pain, heartache. We all share valley experiences. 
But I want us to take a look at Psalm 23 today. It's a very familiar passage of scripture. I want to uh, I want to look at this briefly this morning. Psalm 23 has really helped me, and I know that it's helped a lot of you. For me, personally, it's truly been a blessing to know that the Lord has been my shepherd in every chapter of my story. Every chapter of my story. So I want to invite you to turn there this morning, Psalm 23. If you have a copy of the scriptures in front of you, it should also be preloaded in the app. Psalm 23, when you have it. Say, I got it. Psalm 23. I love love Psalm 23 because David, he references references the Lord as a shepherd. He he, 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 he talks about the Lord as a shepherd, and he uses the term shepherd because shepherd is extremely personal. It's extremely personal. Most of you know that, that shepherds live with their flock. Shepherds live with their flock. Shepherds take responsibility for their flock, much like a loving father takes responsibility for his family. I was just trying to give you all time to get to Psalm 23. We got it? All right. And the word of the Lord reads, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. And verse 6, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Thus ends the reading of God's word. I love this, this particular text because in verse 3, in the second half of verse number 3, he says, he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. For his namesake. Now, I don't know about you, but that suggests to me that It's not about me, nor is it about you, but it's for his namesake. I would also like to submit to you that the paths of righteousness include both green pastures and valleys. The paths of righteousness, God's destiny, God's calling on your life and on my life include both green pastures and valleys. Valleys. One of the elders at a former church, every time he got the opportunity to pray, he would always say, God, I thank you for being a good God, even on a bad day. Thank you for being a good God, even on a bad day. So if you don't remember anything else I say today, I want you to remember this. This is the bottom line of our time together today. The bottom line is no matter where you are, green pasture, valley. No matter where you are, you are standing in God's love. No matter where you find yourself today, you are standing in God's love. There's value in the valley. Several years ago, I was in a space in my life where I began to long for greater fulfillment. 
began to long for greater fulfillment. Now, don't get me wrong. During this time of my life, I was doing some great things. As many of you know, I was a fireman. I was a fireman in Fairfax County, Virginia, and, and I had a, had a great time. Had a great time being a fireman. In this particular picture, we were on a house fire, and the house fire, the house had burned about 80 to 85 percent. And right here, this picture was taken about 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, and we had, we had to come back to deal with any hot spots to make sure that there, were no, there was no rekindling going on. And so being a fireman was a very, it was a very respectable profession. It was a very respectable profession. I got to help people, and I love helping people. As some of you know, I was also a church planner in Maryland had the opportunity to found and pastor a church in Maryland, and I had a great time. This picture that you see here was of my pastoral installation service. It was a great day. It was about 11 or 12 years ago. It was a great day. It was hot, y'all. It was hot. And the service was four hours long, but we had a great time. We had a great time. And so I was doing some, some great things. I was doing some great things, but if I'm, if I'm totally honest today, if I'm totally honest, I was worn out. I was tired. I was empty. I was so busy trying to be all things to everybody that I had neglected the most important person. I was so busy doing ministry work that I failed to allow the ministry to work in me. And so in 2015, I had began to pray about uh, uh, moving to Charlotte, North Carolina. Began to pray about moving to Charlotte, North Carolina. And so this greater fulfillment that I was after, I was, I was looking to, I didn't want to necessarily be out of ministry, but I didn't want to necessarily be bivocational. I wanted to be in ministry on a different level. I wanted to be in ministry on a different level. And so another part of that fulfillment for me was being closer to my family. My, my twin brother and his family are here today. I wanted to be closer to them. They were living in this area. And they have three beautiful children, and I wanted to be uh, closer to them and be a bigger part of, of their children's lives. And, and, and so this was a part of my prayer, and this is what, what I was seeking the Lord about. And so in 2015, I decided to move to Charlotte, North Carolina. And I had applied for several jobs before moving here to Charlotte. I applied for several jobs, and one of, the, one of the organizations that I was really interested in being a part of was Samaritan's Purse. I'd heard some great things about Samaritan's Purse, and I applied for several jobs, but no bites, nothing. And so I decide that I'm going to move to Charlotte anyway. I'm going to move to Charlotte anyway. I'm going to step out on faith because this is what I'm believing that God has destined for my life. And so I moved to Charlotte, and it took about two months before... I got a job. Took about two months and I finally got hired with medic. Finally got hired by medic. Again, I have a fireman and EMT background and so I got hired by medic. And the fourth day on the job, fourth day on the job, the last day of orientation, I get a call from Samaritan's Purse. All for me, yeah, it was funny to me too. Uh, <laughs> uh, I get a call from Samaritan's Purse offering me a position. Now, albeit it was a seasonal position, it was a five-week seasonal position. And so I decided, you know what, I'm going to step out on faith again. 
This was one of the organizations that I wanted to be with, so I was believing God that I'm going to step out, I'm going to take this seasonal opportunity, and I'm believing you, God, that it's going to lead to something else. So I walked away from medic. I walked away from a full-time job. I joined Samaritan's Purse. Had a great time, but guess what? After five weeks, my time, my assignment was up. And so now I had to figure out what I was going to do. So I couldn't get a job. I'm, I'm applying everywhere, and, and, and nothing, nothing is popping for me. I finally get a job working at Luciano's Uptown, uh, on, in South End, rather. Luciano's in South End as a dishwasher making $8.25 an hour. Dishwasher making $8.25 an hour. And I'll never forget it. You know, one of the chefs that worked in the back, he, he used to always, he, he had a thing where he would do this all the time. One of the chefs. And he would say, hey, hey, my man. Hey, my man, you want some pasta? Hey, hey, buddy, you want some pasta? And so I'll say, oh, okay, well, yeah, well, give me, all right, well, give me, give me the pasta. And, and, and over time, I started to feel like one of the Israelites. Like, I don't want, I don't want manna no more. Like, like, I was used to having options. And here I am now, God is providing, but I'm, I'm rele relegated to eating pasta two or three times a week. But God provided. And so I was, I was working at, at Luciano's, and I'm driving Uber, and I'm doing all these kind of things that, that I know to do, and then life took another turn. Never forget it. My car got repossessed. I'm sitting, in jack, I'm sitting in a parking lot in Jack in a Box. I'm on the phone with my brother, and I'm, I'm, I'm having breakfast, and the guy comes up. He knocks on my car window. I roll out the window. He says, hey, are you Mr. Gray? I said, uh, who's asking? <laughs> guy proceeds to tell me who he is and what he wants. I knew what he wanted. I knew what he was after. And so I say, can we, can we not do this here? Like, can we, not, can we not do this right here? I, I don't live far. Can you follow me home and then take my car? And so the guy was gracious, and he followed me home and, and proceeded to hook my car up and take off. And so now I'm really wondering what I'm going to do. I ended up having to sell my furniture on Thanksgiving weekend. I had to sell my furniture on Thanksgiving weekend. Just to have the money I needed. I was borrowing money from family and friends. My sister-in-law is a great cook. I would go over and pack plates for two or three days. But I was in a tough space. However, there was a silver lining in the story. The picture you see up there. During this season is when I, I met my, my, my wonderful wife, Jacqueline. And I never forget it. We, we, would, we would fast and pray together for jobs that I was believing God for. And she was such a blessing to my life during this season. We would fast and pray. And I, I, I remember one time she, would, she sent me an email at 3 in the morning. Sent me an email at 3 in the morning just saying, hey, God is with you. I love you. I believe in you. The email was filled with encouragement. It was filled, it was filled with scripture. It was filled with all kinds of things. But again, if I'm honest... I was still discouraged. I was depressed. I contemplated moving back to Maryland and seeing if I could get my job back in a fire department. I had times where I cried so hard my throat hurt. You ever cried so hard that your throat hurt? 
And this is, this is where I found myself. I was in a valley. I was in a valley. I remember feeling like I was trapped in a cage. I was trapped in a cage. All I kept asking God was how do I get out of this place? God, get me out of this place. But then God began to show up in unconventional ways. God took me through a season of reflection and examination. And he took me through this season and he dealt with me through questions, feelings, and choices. Questions, feelings, and choices. Remember, the question that I was so concerned with was, God, how do I get out of this place? God started having other questions resonate in my heart and in my mind. Questions like, how can I be strong in the Lord right here? How can I serve you through my pain? How can I best glorify you, God, in this situation? And then God started to deal with my feelings because I was upset. I was angry. And the Lord said to me, he said, unexamined feelings distort focus. Unexamined feelings distort focus. I was upset. I blamed God. All I've ever wanted to do was help people. How could you let this happen to me? The Lord began to shift my focus. Off of me and my situation and back onto him. And then he said to me, you have a choice. You have a choice. So I had to determine to choose God no matter what. I had to determine to choose God no matter how I felt. No matter what was going on in my life, I had to choose God. Pastor talked about it last week. He, he, he referenced Henry Cloud where he said, you are ridiculously in charge of your choices. You are ridiculously in charge. The questions, feelings, and choices season that God brought me through began to put me in a position to see value in the valley. To see value in the valley. This was essentially a four-year valley experience from 2015 to right before you met me. It was a four-year valley experience where God was working, God was moving the entire time. What I had taken for granted was that the most important work that God was trying to do was the work in me. I learned that God doesn't have to show up in your valley. He's already there. He's already there. Somebody is in a valley right now. And I came to remind you that God is with you in the valley. I know it doesn't feel like it. I know you can't sense him, you can't feel him, but God is not a man that he should lie. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I had moments of deep regret. I asked myself questions like, why did I move? 
Why did I leave a full-time job and take a seasonal position at Samaritan's Purse? What I didn't realize at the time was God was working through it all. And even though I ended up at Samaritan's Purse in a full-time position two years later, it was while in the seasonal assignment at Samaritan's Purse that I met the person that would eventually introduce me to a church that I had previously been unfamiliar with. Yeah. Church called New City. See, see, while I was busy trying to get out of the valley, God was busy trying to prepare me for my next season of life. See, the lack that I experienced in the valley, the lack that I experienced produced a gratitude in me for the abundance that was on the way. Not talking about abundance of money, talking about an abundance of fulfillment, an abundance of opportunity. See, the enemy always likes to work in the hearts of God's children through the spirit of entitlement. God doesn't owe me a thing. It would have been real easy for me for as long as I had been in ministry, having been a church planner before, it would have been easy for me when presented with the opportunity to come to New City to feel entitled. But because God dealt with my heart in the valley, I wasn't entitled. I was humble, grateful. Listen to me. The offer letter that New City sent me, it's in a frame. It's in a frame in my house. It is in a frame in my house. Listen, God, God did that for me. God did that. See the, see, the valley made me appreciate God in new ways. It gave me an appreciation for the work of his spirit in my life. It helped prepare me to be more effective in ministry. Essentially, it helped prepare me for you. Said before, it's not, it's not about you. There are people assigned to your life on the other side of your valley experience. It's okay for Christians to struggle. It's okay. But how we struggle is what God is concerned with. Listen, family, I learned, I learned that if we are not careful, we will curse God in a season that's designed to make us more like him. It's not enough for us to just to survive in the valley. It's not enough. God wants us to thrive in the valley. And so I want to give you three things that I want you to hold on to that I believe will help you thrive in the valley. You already know this. The first thing is believe God is working all things for good. That's what I learned. Every dish that I washed at Luciano's was a part of God's plan. The pain that I felt in my back as I had to bend over and scrub those saucepans was a part of the gratitude that God was producing in my heart. Second thing is have joy in the Lord in the valley. Joy is a choice. You can be in a bad situation and choose not to feel bad about it. And thirdly, learn to rely on God and not on yourself. It's interesting when we get in, in valley experiences or we get in these experiences that are uncomfortable, we want to fix it ourselves. 
We want to fix it. We're so consumed with wanting to get out of the valley that we manipulate situations and circumstances of life just to get out when God has a plan for it all. God has a plan for everything. Remember our, our, remember our scripture. He said in verse 4b, he said, I will fear no evil for you are with me. You are with me. Listen, there, there's, there's no valley. There's no crisis in your life. There's no sickness. There's no death. There's no disease. There's no separation. There's no divorce. Not, independent of what it looks like. There is nothing that's going on in your life. Doesn't matter what your money looks like right now. God is with you right now. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Romans 8.35 says, who shall separate us? What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution? Famine or sword? We choose to allow these things to separate us from God. He hadn't moved. He hadn't gone anywhere. He's still right beside us. Family, I learned that the valley is where the trees grow the tallest. The valley is where God's grace is the strongest. The valley is where his lessons are the most powerful. And I determined that if hardship would make me more like you, God, so be it. No matter where you are, no matter where you are today, you are standing in God's love. Can I pray with you? God in heaven, we bless you so much. We honor you, God. We adore your heavenly, your holy name. Thank you for reminding us today, God, that you are with us. In spite of the pain that we feel right now. In spite of the confusion, God. In spite of the frustration, God, you are right here with us. And so we pray, God, that you would help us to examine our feelings. And no matter what shows up, we pray that you'd help us to trust you, to choose you. And God, even if it's not a for us or not about us, we pray that you would be with our loved ones, our families, our friends that might be in the valley right now. We pray, Lord, that somehow, some way, you would show up your presence, your spirit would be revealed afresh. So God, I thank you for every tear that we've cried. Thank you for the pain that we feel. Thank you for the frustration that serves to make us more like you. Continue, we pray, God, to get the glory out of our lives no matter what it takes. We thank you, we bless you, and we honor you. In Jesus' name, God's children said amen, amen, and amen.